Hi friends, welcome to the Friends of France podcast. In this safe space, we are favored in each episode with the presence of an expert guest from different fields and specialties as we learn about their life journeys, their successes, possible regrets, and realizations, their work, why they do what they do, and even their life outside of work. In here, we tear down common myths and misinformation with up-to-date, evidence-based science and data simplified for anyone to digest. We don't shy away from topics that can sometimes be polarizing or taboo. We normalize the humanization of healthcare and its workers, and we promote the importance of self-care and safeguarding your mental health. Please keep in mind that the conversations in this podcast are for educational and informational purposes only. They are not implied or intended to be a substitute for professional medical diagnosis, advice, or treatment. Please always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare providers regarding a medical condition. Are you ready? Let's go! Hello, how are you doing? Hi everybody, happy Friday. Another episode of the podcast. I hope you forgive me for my one week break last week because your boy was in Paris. <laughs> I was in Paris for four days last week, so I literally just checked it out of my mind to edit an episode or to upload. I was really thinking about it, but I was like, you know what? I should enjoy and relax and no regrets. Guys, Paris is beautiful. Oh my gosh. It was my first time ever. I love the weather, even though it was quite raining a lot. I just love the vibes of Paris. I loved all of the buildings, all the historical sites, the museums I went to. The people were so nice, contrary to what I have read online or watching YouTube weeks prior to visiting. I just love it and i'm already planning for my next trip back and if you haven't seen i took a lot of pictures which i actually loved how they came out but even then most of my dms that i received during and after my paris trip was can you guess what bags did i buy well i guess you'll just have to find out but honestly, beyond the bags, my favorite purchase from Paris was actually from a souvenir store, and it's a musical box that plays La Vie en Rose. And I'm gonna play it for you right now because I'm obsessed and I've been playing this in my room every night before I go to sleep. I mean, isn't that beautiful? You're welcome. <laughs> Anyways, I am back in business. We have another episode today. And I just love this episode because it's with a dear friend of mine, Nurse Clara, if you may know her. This episode was actually recorded last year, May 9th, which was my birthday. And we timed it that week because it was Nurses Week. And she guessed it from also our title we are going to be talking about all things nursing if you are living under a rock that's outside of the friends of france rock i am a registered nurse for four years now i i can't believe it that i've been a nurse for four years but yes i am a nurse and i love being a nurse i love my work as a nurse the patients i can take care of being their nurse and so the conversation today is just so effortless and just so natural, not only because it's with my dear friend Clara, who is a gynecology nurse practitioner with her training in labor and delivery nursing, and also the founder of the Asian Care Unit, which I am a creative lead for. It is a community for AAPI healthcare workers, and actually not just AAPI, but just API healthcare workers all across the world where they can find mentorship and community and just sense of support. And I love Clara so much. And in this episode, we just talk about her journey about being a nurse. You know, life is just full of detours. And this is a recurring story that you will hear in Clara's journey in this episode, but it leads her to such a beautiful ending and 
not just an ending, but you know, a springboard to the rest of her story. Tyra's just a beautiful soul and has just so much love and light in her. And I enjoyed our conversations about the brokenness of the healthcare system and the nursing system starting from nursing school. Hmm. <laughs> We got a lot to talk about that. <laughs> but she also relays the beauty of it all, how we can churn all of those experiences that may be distasteful while you're going through it into something beautiful and into what we are now, not just as nurses, but as people. As the episode starts, you'll hear me and Clara laughing <laughs> because I think we tried to set up the instagram live stream three times and it just wouldn't connect like clara just couldn't get on the live that's why when she finally appeared on screen i just had this sense of relief because the whole time i'm like oh my gosh can we even reschedule <laughs> can you reschedule this episode clara's so busy i was so busy and i am so happy that we were actually able to record this episode and i hope you get to learn a lot from it you know not just stories of about the beauty of nursing which if you don't know has been ranked as the most trusted profession by a gallup poll for the past 21 years nothing much <laughs> But also just the beauty of life, you know, just things you don't expect to happen and they happen, people you don't expect to meet and you meet and it's just a beautiful story as a whole and I hope you get inspired by Clara's journey because it inspires me so, so much. You know, one of the quotes that I truly love is actually from a song that I grew up listening to. It's a Christian song that I used to listen to when I used to go to church. Oops, sorry Jesus. Uh, it was from a song which I forgot the title now and I always used to listen to it back in high school when I was like stricken with anxiety and panic attacks. And one of the verses was saying how something along the lines of life is not a snapshot, it's a collage of different pictures both perfect and imperfect but when you put them all together it creates a beautiful photograph and uh, that is just a feeling when i think of life and clara's journey i love her so much and i know you will too enjoy this episode is it working <laughs> why was that so difficult i mean <laughs> Stop. That was got, so unnecessarily hard. I got stressed for a moment. <laughs> Me too. I was like, great. Like, I'm wasting Christian's time on his birthday. No, like, no. My mind was already like, can we schedule this? It the next day that we could do it. And I was I like, Nurses Week is ending already. <laughs> I know. But like, anyways, we made it. We're here. We that was unnecessary stress but thank you so much for being with me tonight on this it was such a nice weather here today it was yeah. so sunny and uh, by the time i was like seven i said oh my gosh we're gonna have a live with clara and it's still so bright outside and it looks like the morning but here we are how's the weather there oh it's been a beautiful day like you the sun's still out and it's amazing because it's eight o'clock like i remember you know in the colder months like the sun's I know. Like 5 30 it's so sad and depressing yeah. so yeah. i'm definitely a much happier person after this daylight saving me too the winter blues are definitely a thing it's but definitely a thing. you know it's May. There's a lot of things that we're celebrating this month. Yes. We hit up AAPI Heritage Month with a post a few days ago. Mm -hmm. And then it's Nurses Week from May 6 to 12. And there was no better person for me to talk to on this space but my dear friend Clara. Clara and I connected... You know, I think it's exactly or over a year ago for ACU, for the creative team. Because yeah. the first project we had for Acne Awareness Month with Anna was in June. So yeah. can you believe how time has flown? No, I really can't believe it. And I can't believe that I just found out like one or two weeks ago that you're also a Taurus. So that makes so much sense. I mean, we came <laughs> to Atlanta, remember, for the ACU yeah. photo shoot. And we just clicked and I love you. Thank you for having I me. On no. your birthday. I'm sure you'd much rather be like out getting drinks, but no, I, I really no appreciate place it. I'd rather be right now than Aww. with the nurse Clara. But 
if you can just first please introduce yourself even though you need no introduction <laughs> oh you're sweet well hi everyone if you all don't follow me already my name is clara i am a gynecology nurse practitioner for all of uh maybe five minutes um, <laughs> i'm a brand new nurse practitioner actually it's been a little over two months believe it or not and almost no wait i don't even know it's uh, who even knows? Yeah. But yeah, almost two months. But my original background was in labor and delivery. And so it really felt like a seamless transition. I always knew that I wanted to pursue reproductive health. That's something mm -hmm. I've always been passionate about. Mm -hmm. And so during like my clinicals and stuff, it just really made sense. And I felt like I thrived in the setting. And so that's how I got to where I am today. And of course, we'll go in detail. So yeah, I'm working as a gynecology nurse practitioner now, Monday to Friday. It's my first like Monday through Friday gig. So it's like definitely a transition. Yeah. But I was night shift for labor and delivery. I loved it. I missed the adrenaline here and mm -hmm. there. I missed the night shift crew for all of you who work night shift. It's a totally different atmosphere. Night shift. Yes. And so that's kind of my career field. And then outside of work, I really find it important to have a lifestyle in which work is not your everything. And so yeah. my husband and I love food. We love exploring new restaurants. We're big foodies and trying new foods when we're actually playing more golf. We started together last year. And so this year is kind of when we like see where we improve mm -hmm. and we actually are starting to like actually enjoy it instead yeah. of hate yeah. it because we suck. So yeah, it's a little about me. I still remember the first time like you started doing golf. And can you lose almost like a year already? Because I yeah. think when I went to Georgia and we had the photo shoot, I think you were just ending or you were studying for the boards. I don't remember, but I know you were in school or? I was, oh my gosh, I don't, I think I had just finished school. You just finished school, right? Yeah. Yeah. And now it's like almost a year and time is literally just flying. What got you into nursing in the first place? Like, was yeah. there a family member or a friend or a personal yeah. experience for you to delve into this profession of care and helping you? Yeah, them? I feel like I'm at like a nursing school interview. Yeah. Um, but so yeah, in my family, you know, no one really was working in healthcare. Mm -hmm. No one even graduated college mm -hmm. or high school, my, but mm -hmm. neither of my parents. Yeah. I think they graduated high school, but they didn't attend college. And so it wasn't kind of like, a, okay, like we're nurses, so you're going to be nurses too. I really find it inspiring how many Filipino nurses are there. And I, yeah. I almost get FOMO. I'm like, oh my God, I wish I was Filipino. And I wish my mom was a nurse, yeah. you know, but the only like medical professional that I had really a connection to was, was my aunt, my mom's sister, but she's a lot older than me and she lives in Korea. And so mm -hmm. like, it was almost as if like, I didn't really have that connection. Like, you mm -hmm. know, I could, I guess, ask her like, you know, what's nursing like over there? Mm -hmm. It's totally different and yeah. the preparation's different too. And she's been a nurse, I think for like, oh, like 30 years, more than mm -hmm. I've been alive. Mm -hmm. She works yes. in the OR. Yeah. But like I said, it's a totally different world. And like, I speak Korean, but it's also difficult to communicate with her. Mm -hmm. So it's not like something I could like ask her about. So growing up here, I just knew that I wanted to like help people. I wanted to be useful. And mm -hmm. I just thought, okay, that seems like it's healthcare. And so when I first pursued college, I was already so lost in terms of being a first generation college student. And then I was like, okay, like 18 year old me has to decide what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. Like mm -hmm. that. First of all, such a huge yeah. pressure on young adults. So I thought, you know, oh, it makes sense that I'll be a physician. Like, I'll do yeah. medicine. Like, obviously. Yeah. Duh. Like, duh. Yeah. I know it's hard, but it'll, yeah. I'll do it. Yeah. And then I started taking the classes and I was like, oh, yeah, no. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then I realized I picked the wrong undergrad, whereas, like, I wasn't going to be able to take the classes that I needed and be able to afford it. Mm -hmm. And then I didn't have a plan for afterward. Like I, yeah. didn't, I didn't really know. And so yeah. I kind of had like a heart to heart moment with my friend's aunt. And she wasn't even a friend at the time. She was like a new, like she lived like two doors away from me, but I was like, <laughs> okay, freshman year, I got to make friends. And so yeah. she tells me like, Hey, like what's your major? Like, what do you think you're doing with your life? And I was like, I don't really know. And <laughs> she's like, well, my aunt is an emergency nurse practitioner. Like, do you want to talk to her? And I was like, mm -hmm. you know what? Actually, yeah. Like I haven't even thought about nursing school. Yeah. And so it took the one phone call 
And for her to tell me about her work-life balance and what it meant to be a nurse practitioner and the flexibility that the nursing career provides in terms of working at the bedside and then being able to grow. Mm -hmm. And then even if you didn't want to go to like grad school to obtain like higher education, you grow horizontally and like grow within the bedside and like Mm -hmm. as a supervisor, admin, blah, blah, blah. And so I learned a lot through that phone call and I was like, okay, I'm doing nursing. Like this sounds great you know yeah. obviously i didn't know like burnout and like all yeah. the things that we know now but yeah. i felt almost oblivious to those things mm-hmm. and i'm actually grateful for it which i feel like is kind of a contrast of what like nurses students or prospective nurses have now because there's yeah. such an influx of like screw nursing like nursing sucks yeah. you yeah. know yeah. so i'm kind of grateful for that and so i actually transferred after one semester of undergrad mm. because i realized that the school didn't have a nursing program. Like it wasn't going to be, it wasn't, it didn't make sense. And so I transferred to a school closer to home and mm-hmm. a school that I knew had a nursing program. So mm-hmm. I switched from health sciences major mm-hmm. to pre-nursing. Yeah. So that was two years of prereqs for pre-nursing and then two years of nursing school. So yeah. sometimes people have like two bachelor degrees, like mm-hmm. you do the four-year bachelor and mm-hmm. then go to nursing school, mm-hmm. but I did it kind of the quick and easy route. Yeah. 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 I mean, just the whole experience of college is like confusing in itself, right? And I can't imagine how much harder it was for being a first gen, right? Yeah. Going to college and you don't know really what's the track or what's the journey going to it. I had one guest before. She's a, well, she was a former physician and Mm. she talked about how when we're 17 or 18 years old, we're like placing a conveyor belt where we're forced to make so many big life decisions when we don't even know who we are as a person right and so what ended up happening is actually she finished medical school and then during her second year of ob residency she dropped Mm -hmm. out of residency and she let go of the field of medicine so it really just goes to show like how important it is for like to really know what we want in life right and what lifestyle we want what kind of time we want on a daily basis because i know when you do like your ask me anything i see questions that you answer like oh how do i choose between an np or a pa or a crna or a physician and your answer is always like well it depends on the lifestyle choice that you want and that's so true and you know you went through all of that and like the rest is history and you've gone through nursing school given that and i guess we'll tie this along to your np career afterwards do you have any regrets now at this point switching from health sciences to becoming a nurse or i mean people always know oh medicine is a long time but nursing is a long time and Vanya and i talked about this too is especially when you're getting your graduate degree there's like years of experience and years of effort and emotional and physical tolls behind that a lot of sacrifices too and do you have any regrets in making all of those sacrifices in life to reach where you are now that's actually such a great question i was kind of thinking about this recently for some reason i was at work actually i think i was driving home from work Mm -hmm. and i had this like random thought i was like did i like do all of this too young you know like did i like decide the rest of my life too early and now i'm just gonna like do the same thing forever And then I almost had to like snap myself out of it being like, okay, what, what kind of mindset is that? Right. I'm so lucky and so privileged to have the opportunity to achieve so much at a young age and have the luxury of Mm -hmm. a well-paying job and higher education and Mm -hmm. this lifestyle that I live now, like how, honestly, how dare I ask those questions? Right. (laughs) I actually think, I think it was the day after I had therapy. So like I had all these like existential um, questions, but In terms of regret, I honestly wish I didn't rush myself so much. And I think a lot of people can relate to, but especially coming from like an immigrant mindset Mm -hmm. or Asian American Mm -hmm. parents Mm -hmm. or even Mm -hmm. just any minority group. Yeah. There's this rush of like, okay, there's no time to waste. It's like the survival mode that almost Mm -hmm. was passed down to us from our parents. Yeah. And I mean, I'm not even first generation, like American citizen yet, you know? So it's kind of like, I'm still in the immigrant mindset of Mm -hmm. like, I need to survive. Like I need to get through this. Mm -hmm. I need to do this as quickly Mm -hmm. as I can. Mm -hmm. But also stepping back is like, oh wait, I could have totally rewrote my whole story of being like, no way, there is time. And it's really no rush. And I could have enjoyed a little more of college because I did only have the two years of undergrad and then went to two years of nursing school. 
Mm-hmm. And I was busy, you know, and even while working as a nurse, I was going to grad school mm-hmm. for two of the four years I was a bedside mm-hmm. nurse. And it was a joke, you know, and mm-hmm. then I also got married. So it was like a lot of things very quickly early on. So yeah. though I think the one regret would have been rushing into forever yeah. in terms of my career when yeah. I really have the rest of my life to figure it out. Yeah. And I have to remind myself, you know, like just because I am where I am now doesn't mean like this is my forever right that's the beauty yeah. of nursing we can yeah. always change trajectories yeah and i really do believe that's the beauty of nursing right yeah. and i think that's one thing that our community tries on instagram right especially like we try to disseminate to the next generations of nurses i, I think they're already with what they're seeing in social media and twitter they already have this preconceived notion that Ugh, nursing is going to be the worst thing ever because i'm going to be stuck in bedside i'm going to be stuck in this when the truth is, and I think this is what we try to show, is the world of nursing is so diverse. Yeah. Like, it's kind of overwhelming the amount of jobs that you can get as a nurse in different settings. You can work in the hospital, you can work in the clinic, you can work behind a computer, you can stay at home. There's so many things to do. So I understand, like, when you said, oh, I got to snap out of this mindset, because it doesn't have to be your forever, like, the setting that you are now and again we're going to talk about your NP degree is that that's also so diverse there's so many things you can do especially with your FNP as well and I think backtracking from that throughout your whole quick and uh, stressful journey of nursing I think one thing that aided you was using social media right yeah. I know you started during nursing school I mean the truth is a lot of my friends told me that they've been following you since nursing school and I had no idea what was going on during nursing school. So <laughs> so everyone knew, like, Katie Duke, everyone knew nurse parent. And it was only recently that I was like, wait, who are these people? <laughs> and then all my friends were like, yes, yeah, I started vlogging during nursing school. And I wanted to ask, like, how did that come out about for you? Because that's actually one of the earlier days for, like, nursing creators, right, online. Yeah. Uh, when, when did you make that decision to, like, I am going to document this journey and... It's a very scary decision because everything is online. Your successes, yeah. your failures, your flaws, and everything. How did you decide on that? Well, my intention was never to be a nursing influencer or a nursing yeah. blogger. I didn't even know that was a thing. Like yeah. when I entered the world of social media, like there weren't any like nurses or medical influencers yeah. to follow. Like that that industry was not a thing. Yeah. And that's also why when people ask me, like, should I start a nursing blog? I'm like, yeah, the industry is so new. Yeah. Why not? You know, like it's never too late. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we'll get we'll talk about yeah. that another yeah. time. But I originally started my journey on social media as a way to document my weight loss journey when I was mm-hmm. in high school. Mm-hmm. So over ten years ago, I just celebrated my ten years on Instagram, which is wild. Decade. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I mean, like the Nashville filter, and like when Instagram was its original logo. That's when I joined. And that was, like I said, just purely to document my weight loss journey. And it had nothing to do with like my career or like my Mm -hmm. aspirations. I didn't even know who I was. I was in high school, you know? And so kind of learning about myself through that and kind of deciphering my identity through weight loss, weight gain, car accident, and like Mm -hmm. physical therapy and like Mm -hmm. going to college and figuring out my immigration status. Like a lot of like figuring myself out resonated with other people who, I always say is the beauty of social media is that there's so many people like us Mm -hmm. and each part of us resonates with a part of like someone else that we don't even know. And that's what happened. Like people were like interested in my story because they saw Mm -hmm. a part of themselves in a part of me. And so Mm -hmm. I honestly feel like people who have been following me since I was younger, like we've all grown up together. And so it wasn't until like I was going through my BSN and like sharing my study <laughs> templates and my study yeah. schedules and sharing my own struggles of like, oh my God, like path is really hard. Like, how are yeah. you guys? Like, how, how is, are you doing it? You know, yeah. like it was really just of like sharing my own journey and mm-hmm. people were like, okay, like I'm not the only one struggling mm-hmm. to memorize yeah. all these like dementia medications. Yeah. I'm not the only one who has no idea like how to calculate, like how to get, <laughs> how much insulin to give, yeah. like. And it's, I think it was just like an overwhelming reassurance to a lot of us going through the same journey. Mm-hmm. And then as I, you know, like graduating nursing school and shared my nursing experience at the bedside and my mm-hmm. thoughts of like higher education, mm-hmm. you know, there were other people who were in the same boat as me who wanted to kind of like 
you know, see me as a friend of like, okay, yeah. she's doing this and maybe this is yeah. a good idea for me, you yeah. know? So yeah. I really believe like we're all growing up on social media together. And like you said, it is terrifying yeah. because like, I mean, it's terrifying, you know, you can be as private and like careful as you can, but it's still information that's out there about mm-hmm. you, especially in a time and age when information and identity is like everything, you know? Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. everything is out there. I mean, no matter how much you try to avoid it, it's like, yeah. you'll get the DM or so, or share a comment or whatnot. I mean, I feel like the great thing about it is that, I mean, there's so many uglies and evils about social media, but there's also so many beautiful things. Oh, the yeah. connections that you make, the friendships that you make. I mean, all of us met through social media, right? Yeah. And it's such a beautiful thing. And uh, I think, it's also great that you get to document your journey, especially when you are going through NP school. It's no longer October, but let me tell you a horror story. I was working bedside as a nurse. 12 hour shifts, 12,000 to 15,000 steps per night, always exposed to dripping blood, pee, and other fluids. And guess what? I was wearing skateboarding shoes for almost a year. Because my feet were killing me, I switched to more comfortable sneakers but had to go through three pairs because I would find new stains after shifts. And over time, as the pandemic came, I was too exhausted to think about my feet or even changing my footwear. I was then introduced to Clove and I no longer had to do the thinking. To support the steps of those who dedicate their lives to caring for others, Clove collaborated with healthcare professionals and innovative designers to create a shoe that prioritizes the needs of those in the front line. These are sneakers designed for healthcare. They already did the thinking. Easy to clean and fluid repellent, I no longer have to worry about those red streaks or pea-soaked socks since I use the same wipes at work to remove every stain. Just this summer, one of my patients unexpectedly bled from the radial artery access site and made a pool in my brilliant whites on the floor. A few swipes with the purple wipes, all clean and with no damage. Plus being squeak-free, I no longer have to worry about waking up a sleeping patient. Layered with comfort, sore toes are no longer my problem since the shoes are now upgraded with double the cushioning, 50% more arch support, and a perfect heel pad. On top of this, the grippiest outsole also allows for a fluid channel technology while maintaining super secure footing. And yes, it's 100% cruelty free and vegan. I love all of my clothes shoes and I hope that you can get ready to also step into your perfect pair. Use code FRANZ, that's F-R-A-N-Z, or visit goclothe.com slash friends for 15% off your first pair of clothes shoes at checkout. I am no stranger to seeing patients that can't get the care they need because they can't afford it. Even if they get a medical recommendation that will help them, oftentimes, medication costs are so high it's totally out of reach, or they would have to choose between feeding their family or paying rent in order to get the medication, so people have to go without. After living through a pandemic, on some level, we all know the healthcare system in the United States is broken. That is why I am happy to see that mission-driven businesses are now taking an interest in the problem because it's not getting solved fast enough. Better Remedies is one of those companies doing something to really meaningfully help people with medical expenses, in particular, getting their medications. Better makes over-the-counter medication, think pain, gas, cough and flu, sleep, all the essentials for your medicine cabinet. For every box of Better Remedies sold, they cover the cost of someone's life-saving medication for a month. And this is someone who would otherwise have to choose between food, rent, gas to get to work, or otherwise caring for themselves or their family. It is such an easy switch to make. You get the same great relief you need for 10% less than other big name brands, and someone who doesn't have the access to their meds will get the help they need. In general, it's good to know the active ingredients you need for your symptoms rather than just buying a big name brand. It'll save you money, and because active ingredients are FDA regulated, you'll still be getting the results you need. Plus, if you buy from Better, you are also helping someone else in a big way too. It's putting your headaches, farts, and insomnia to work. And that's something we can all feel better about. I've been buying my Better Remedies products at Walmart at any time I need to stock up. And you can do the same. Everything is priced about 10% less than the big brands, works just as well, and makes an impact on something that is really important and that I am personally very passionate about. Make the switch next time you need relief. You'll feel better and be doing some good. When did you make that decision? Like you're working in L and D, right? And you're like, oh, I want to go back 
for school? When did that yeah. decision come about? Kind of going back on like how I even decided nursing yeah. was that I, I saw that role model of a nurse practitioner mm-hmm. and I was like, okay, that's, that's what mm-hmm. I want to do. How do I get yeah. there? So originally, actually, before I even graduated with my BSN, I had applied to two women's health nurse practitioner programs. Mm-hmm. And my original plan, which thinking back on it, I'm like, why and how did I even think that was possible? So my plan was to go through a new grad residency at the same time as I would start a grad school program. Mm -hmm. So I would learn how to be a nurse at the same time I would learn how to be a nurse practitioner. And then, you know, things happen. I truly believe that there are no coincidences and like a lot of things happen for a reason. And I I also hate that thing, but... (laughs) I had to withdraw my application because I realized that I couldn't afford grad school mm. while I was learning to be a bedside nurse. Mm. So I withdrew. And so I gave all of my energy and my time into learning how to be a good bedside nurse mm-hmm. on the busiest labor and delivery unit in the world. And oh my God, it was 20 weeks of orientation and probably the 20th longest weeks of my life. Mm-hmm. And 20 weeks, because a lot of people don't know this, but labor and delivery is triage, mm-hmm. OR, mm-hmm. labor, high risk, postpartum, antepartum. It's like all these things on one unit and you mm-hmm. have to know how to do all of it well yeah. because it's such a high risk situation, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. so I'm just so grateful that situation kind of came to me because I was able to focus on mm-hmm. how to lay the groundwork of being a good nurse and like developing those critical nursing skills and like critical thinking. And I really could not, I can't imagine what, it would have been like doing everything at the same time. Yeah. Like truly. And so that's kind of like how my NP journey looks. Mm-hmm. I withdrew and then I worked for about two years as a nurse <laughs> before I applied to a family nurse practitioner program because I realized, oh, listen, I love labor and delivery mm-hmm. and I love this patient population. But like I said, like I took a step back and I was like, this is mm-hmm. not the end all be all, right? Yeah. There's so many possibilities. And I thought the role and the degree that would benefit me most would be a family nurse practitioner. So Mm -hmm. that's how it came to be. There we go. And yeah, like again, the rest is history as well. (laughs) And even though you were in labor and delivery and you wanted to do something with OB, was there ever a time though that you were like, oh, the FNP degree is so diverse. Like you could go into any specialty. You can do aesthetics, you can do derm, you can do GI, you can do cardiac, all of this. Were you always like so set from then on that you're like, I'm going to do OB? Um, No, I thought it would be a good transition. And I knew mm-hmm. that it. I was obviously invested in it and passionate about it because mm-hmm. I had worked in it for quite some time. But like you said, like I always found it so enticing that with that degree of master's in nursing as a family nurse practitioner, yeah. I could do anything. Yeah. So like I didn't have to end at GYN. That's why yeah. I switched from women's health and yeah. to FNP, you know? And I think the specialties offered as nurse practitioners also makes it possible to mm-hmm. kind of decide what specialty you want to pursue or a lack of specialty, I suppose, mm-hmm. because really the only specialties are neonatal, ER now in some schools, yeah. midwifery, women's health NP, family, adult Jero, and adult acute care. Yeah. So that's really limited. I think you psych know? too, right? Psych, psych as well, yes. And so I kind of like chose like, okay, what would allow me to, like we talked about before, live the lifestyle that I want to live. So I decided early on, I had enough of the hospital, you know? The hospital really took a toll on me. It's, I think it really was how busy my unit was, how short we were all the time. And night shift. It just kind mm-hmm. of like, mm-hmm. it just like really wore me down. And I was like, as an advanced practice provider, I never want to go back to the hospital. And so I was like, okay, what specialties could I work mm-hmm. in where I wouldn't be required to do inpatient rounding, mm-hmm. where I wouldn't have to go into like do certain things. Mm-hmm. That being said, of course, that limits you to a lot. And so yeah. I kind of had to play like give and take, like, yeah. okay, like I might do a little bit of inpatient rounding. Like, Maybe if I could do surgery and expand my skill set in some way, maybe I could do it. See, that's the beauty of it, right? There's so many choices. And so I chose FNP because I love primary care. And that's something that I personally needed when I was growing up in the States Mm -hmm. and not having Mm -hmm. proper health insurance and like not knowing how to navigate the Mm -hmm. healthcare system. I found it really important for myself to be a provider that patients who look like me needed, like when I was growing up. 
And then going through clinicals and working in the setting where it's just GYN, no OB, there's so much taboo placed on certain topics, Mm -hmm. like talking about period and talking about sex and like all those things. So I was like, okay, I really want to be like the big sister for a lot of patients. And that's how I came to be. FMP, but working in gynecology. Yeah, and that's what you have been doing. I mean, I've been seeing the reviews that patients have been giving you. And I mean, I've been so excited for you for a long time of like starting this job. And I'm just so happy for you and that you're really enjoying where you are. And I can't imagine the amount of things that you're learning, but also the many things that you're seeing, right? In your practice. And I remember before when you were still working bedside and because we used to both work night shift, I think I would like message you at 3 a.m. because of your stories. And you're like, yeah, we had 15 deliveries so far and it's only like 1 a.m. I was like, excuse me? <laughs> it's like, what's yeah. going on? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and I guess the pace is so different though, right? From, oh from the bedside and that acute you know, antepartum, postpartum, and then going on to private practice and OBGYN. Can you talk about that transition? Yeah. How was that? Especially not just like the acuity, but also the time, because you're not working three night shifts, 12 hours anymore. You're working from Monday to Friday, nine to five, most probably, right? Yeah. So I think that was the transition that I was most worried about, but also most looking forward to like working nights like there were many nights i would not sleep in the same bed as my husband and like i would just eat dinner and run out and like not see until the morning yeah or like i would come home like dead tired after work like almost get in a car crash because i'm like falling asleep on the way yeah Yeah. and get home and like not have energy to like you know like spend time with my husband and then also go off to work so it was like when we were newlyweds too when i was working at the bedside so like a lot of it just wasn't sustainable And what gave us comfort was knowing that, okay, this is temporary. This is going to be so worth it when we're working the same schedule. And so that's where we are. And it honestly feels unreal that it's like we're here, you know. (laughs) But yeah, I definitely miss having four days off a week. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was part-time too. So I had five days a week, you know, besides the days I was (laughs) at my computer studying all day. Yeah, But like, you know, just the free time of like, okay, like I spent all my energy and all my focus on work for 13 hours and now it's just everything else. So that's definitely something that I have been getting used to and I'm slowly mm-hmm. slowly growing more accustomed to, mm-hmm. but it's wonderful also not working holidays and like, uh, I know, and like not having to plan a vacation yeah. like mm-hmm. two mm-hmm. years ahead of time mm-hmm. and yep. like begging for PTO for like a doctor's appointment, you know, yep. like, it's just these things that I thought were normal in healthcare, and now I'm realizing that oh, it was just the hospital. Yeah, and it was just the yeah, just the hierarchy yeah. of how things are, yeah. and I'm really yeah. feeling refreshed in the fact mm-hmm. that I'm being treated like mm-hmm. a, a value. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I hate that I had to like go to grad school and like mm-hmm. get a new degree to mm-hmm. feel that way, mm-hmm. but. I think that's another story for another time, right? But yeah, I miss off days. But there's pros and cons of each. And I think it balances out, like, overall. Yeah, I mean, with night shift, I always say it's like you're working two days, technically. Because, I mean, at least how I did it was I slept in the morning of. And then... Oh, yeah. Like, I won't sleep the whole night. And then I'll sleep from 9 to 3 or 9 to 4. And then... But whichever, like, schedule you do, you're literally working two days because after work right in the morning you want to go to sleep you want to rest oh. and then once you wake up if you don't have work the whole day is already like wasted right yeah. and i was totally end. useless the yeah. day before and the day after yeah. so actually it's not two days it's three days yeah you know? it's three days yeah yeah, yeah. It's, it's insane aside from the schedule though how was that mindset of oh i'm no longer like a nurse i am a provider where I mean, I think as bedside nurses, right, even though we have some sort of autonomy in our work, I mean, mm-hmm. we're literally waiting for the order uh, until yeah. we can execute our task. But now you're the one who is making these executive decisions, not just on logistical things, but on the actual care of patients, right? Yeah, um, diagnosis. And yeah, diagnosing, up. treating, prescribing, 
doing yeah. all those assessments, looking at the mm-hmm. blood work results mm-hmm. and making plans for them. How was that in your mind, given that magnitude of responsibilities that's on you now? Yeah, I I mean, it's definitely a total mind shift change. Mm-hmm. And I still catch myself being like, okay, like, you know, what can I do next? Like, what are the orders that are placed? I'm like, oh, wait, I got to place these <laughs> orders. Like, I need to know yeah. the plan, you know? And yeah. so it's definitely different. But I feel like if I were an advanced practice provider in the same setting that I worked in as a nurse, mm-hmm. it would be totally different. Because that's more high acuity and emergent. Yeah. And there's yeah. a lot of things happening very quickly. And I feel like maybe that would, I don't know, actually, maybe that would be a little easier because I know what orders I was expecting, yeah. you know, yeah. like, oh, like I know what, what orders to place for a yeah. new induction for a private, yeah. you know, but this is a, a different setting in that it's not as high acuity and there's no emergent scenarios. Mm-hmm. However, I am the sole responsible provider to make sure that this patient's abnormal cells don't turn into cancer or like yeah. that this patient follows up or I'm yeah. prescribing the correct medication yeah. and they don't have an adverse reaction to it. Yeah. So it's definitely a lot of like stepping back, asking a ton of questions to like all my colleagues all the time. I'm constantly on up to date. I'm like, okay, I know what I need to do. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure I know what I learned in school and I know what the right answer is. Yeah. But in practice and evidence based, like what is the right thing to do and the best mm-hmm. thing to do for the patient? Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm constantly on up to date, constantly on the CDC website. And I kind of talked about this recently during a live that I did, but like, I'm like brutally honest with my patients too. I'm like, if I don't know something, I'm like, okay, so you haven't had a period in six months, you're 38 and you're having hot flashes. Like there's no way you should be in premature menopause, Mm -hmm. but also your anti-malarian hormones like in the toilet, what is happening? And then I'm like, so many things are going through my head. I'm like, is this cancer? I need to rule it out. Is this PCOS? Like you're 38. What Mm -hmm. are your estrogen and progesterone levels? Like, this is primary ovarian insufficiency. And yeah. that's actually what I did diagnose the patient with. Mm-hmm. And it was sad, but I'm like, okay, like in being honest with the patient and being like, hey, like this is a pretty perplexing case. Like <laughs> you're not the standard textbook scenario, yeah. but I have my colleagues I can ask. Mm-hmm. I'm going to look at my resources and mm-hmm. try to find out the best care mm-hmm. for you. In the meantime, like I want you to ask me questions so we can yeah. go through this together. And so it's, constant learning definitely and i feel like at the bedside there was a time where i was like okay like i kind of like i kind of know like what to do if like you know an active labor comes in mm-hmm. or like mm-hmm. oh a patient's coming in like bleeding and the baby's mm-hmm. heart rate looks terrible like yeah i know what to do what equipment to get yeah. like i know what yeah. orders to expect yeah. i know who to call yeah but then now it's just a different kind of starting over basically yeah. and kind yeah. of like erasing the whole like following orders mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and more of like I'm in charge and I need to do this right. So let's not mess it up. Yeah. Yeah. And I think as someone who's like executing the orders as opposed to the one creating the orders, it can come to a point where it's like, you just, you plateau, right? Like, oh, I already know that, 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 that. But now it's like the NP as the sole provider of the patient. It's like, there's literally no plateauing because there's always, I can imagine like there's always something new there's always something that you have to anticipate or this or that and that's one thing i wanted to ask especially within the population that you're seeing what's the bread and butter of your work like let's say you go to work tomorrow it's like for sure top two or top three i'm gonna see these three diagnoses i'm anticipating to make yeah well exams so Mm -hmm. breast exam pelvic exam pap Mm -hmm. smear that being said, there are some days when I don't have any annuals, um, mm-hmm. and I wish I did because, like you said, it's the bread and butter. It's mm-hmm. I know what to expect. I'm not looking for any problems. Yeah. It's not a problem visit, mm-hmm. so I know like the template and like mm-hmm. what I need mm-hmm. to fill in. Mm-hmm. That being said, yeah, those, that's something I see a lot. But I've been seeing a lot of PCOS, polycystic mm-hmm. ovarian syndrome, and a lot of patients who had never been explained to what it even means to have irregular periods and like stuff like that. Also, adenomyosis or endometriosis. Mm-hmm. So, endometriosis is an umbrella term, and so mm-hmm. under it, to diagnose endometriosis, you need to diagnose it surgically and like mm-hmm. open up and see the patient inside and see that uterine lining outside. But before we even get to surgery, because that's kind of a big thing to do, yeah. right? It's like, yeah. oh, you're having painful periods. Let's jump yeah. to surgery. That's not yeah. something we do. 
And so the term under that we call endometriosis without the surgical diagnosis is adenomyosis. That's basically very painful, very heavy periods caused Mm -hmm. by the lining growing outside of the uterus. Mm -hmm. And so that's something I see almost every single day of like, either like, I've skipped a ton of periods. I've never had a regular period. I have signs of high testosterone. I have terrible Mm -hmm. acne. What -hmm. is this? And it's like a whole gamut of symptoms. Mm -hmm. Or my periods suck and they're painful and they take me out of school. Like I can't, I can't work. Mm-hmm. That's what I see pretty much every single day. And then of course, mm-hmm. vaginal infections, SCDs. Yeah. So those are a lot of what I see. Like seeing the, you know, occasional like vaginal cancer or like cervical cancers, pretty rare, mm-hmm. um, especially because if we see patients over a certain period of time, like we can kind of like catch those things. So those are definitely like the zebras of mm-hmm. like, of what I see in a day. So PCOS, adenomyosis, endometriosis, um, annual. And I can't imagine the amount of education entailed that you had to give to the patients, right? Especially yeah, I mean, before... like what I just was saying about yeah. the umbrella term. Yeah, and yeah, 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 yeah. Like, it was, it's all that in my head. I'm your patient. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. For a wellness yeah. exam. <laughs> exactly, yeah. And what I've learned too is no annual is actually an annual. It's an yeah. annual and a problem visit all the time. And I don't blame patients. Like yeah. accessing healthcare is not easy. And, you know, our the capitalist economy and like our work schedules and the system has not allowed for us to get preventative health care. And so I don't blame patients when they yeah. come in and they're like, I'm here for my breast and pelvic exam, but mm-hmm. also I have regular, irregular periods and I want a new birth control. And yeah. I'm having pain with sex. Like mm-hmm. I do that too as a patient because yeah. I'm not able to go see my provider every six months or whatever, you know? Yeah. So yeah. Yes. Yeah. Access to care is definitely a very flagrant issue that we have yeah. in the nation. And I think that's one of the main essences of the role of the nurse practitioner, right? Is mm-hmm. to bridge those access where we're lacking. And, yeah. and aside from the access, I mean, we're very truthful here. It's patients have bad experiences with different providers and it takes from previous providers, right? And it takes a lot of trust to give to you, like in this Mm -hmm. situation, right? Where I've had a bad experience before. No one listened to me before. People down uh, other, I don't know, physicians or NPs or whoever downplayed what I was feeling before. And then they come to you with this sense of longing and that, I hope that you're the one who's going to believe me, that you're the one who's going to listen to me. How much of a gravity is that either the back of your mind or it's like pulling the front of your mind of, you know, I'm sure you've had patients like these and we've seen this in the reviews where it's like, oh, how does that gravity feel to you? Um, I really feel honored to hold that kind of weight on (laughs) what patients think of me Mm -hmm. and the, the appointment that they're trying to get. And I think... I'm able to see that because I am a woman of color and because mm-hmm. I've experienced those things. So mm-hmm. I see myself in so many of my patients. And so, I mean, almost every day I have a patient who bursts out in tears when I walk in because they're like, they've either experienced yeah. sexual yeah. trauma yeah. or sexual trauma from their provider, which mm-hmm. is absolutely mm-hmm. unacceptable, mm-hmm. or just trauma in general from yeah. being a person of color, or even just being someone who identifies as a woman in general in this country, you know? So it's a lot that they come in with. And I just have to constantly remind myself and also them that it's a safe place and we're going to rewrite the story. Um, I actually said those words exactly to a patient today because I walked in and just sudden burst of tears. I'm like, like, tell me how you're feeling. Like, what's, what's making you feel this way? And they're like, well, I've never had a provider like, like, listen to me or like trust me or like tell me that I can guide my own exam and I'm like well I just want you to know like this is a place where I'm gonna listen to you and we're I'm not like up here and you're down here we're here together and we're gonna work together like I'm Mm -hmm. your partner in healthcare and we're Mm -hmm. gonna figure this out together you know and I always if I have any patients who are of color or of underserved communities I tell them listen I know exactly how you feel right now because I was there too and I went in with out with missing a period for six months after being yeah. underweight and over exercising, and they said, "Oh, you'll be fine." When I wasn't fine, and you know, and they really should have heard me and like tried to do something about it, and you know, among other things. And so, it's 
it's sometimes a lot of pressure, but I also realize it's my responsibility, honestly. Mm -hmm. And I take it with pride. Like I would, you know, I would much rather have me feel the pressure and the weight of that and work through it compared Mm. to them like kind of like, you know, like overriding that feeling and going to provide that they don't really feel comfortable with. Yeah, super agree. You know, I feel like if all the things you're saying now were played to that Clara back in high school who who was just starting Instagram, you know, documenting her weight loss journey or the Clara who was unsure if she really wanted to do medicine and then was in nursing school, was working as a bedside nurse. I can't imagine the amount of honor and, uh, you know, that feeling of humility that she might feel. And you talk a lot about the concept and the feeling, the very um, viable feeling of invalid feeling of imposter syndrome, you know, sometimes, especially in healthcare, right? We feel like, oh, we don't deserve this, or I'm not sure if I can do this. And as someone who's, you know, seeing patients now or being trusted by their patients, and you're making a real difference in people's lives and allowing them to open up, there are nurse practitioner students right now or nursing students right now who are struggling and who are unsure if they can make it or if this is the path for them or if they can if they have the capability to reach the point where you are now as someone who's gone through it all already what would be your piece of advice for them oh i mean there's like so much advice where i mean i'm just trying to imagine like me in nursing school and like me in high school Mm-hmm. I really didn't think it was even possible or like what someone in this role looked like that looked like me, you know, yeah. like I always like the uh, emergency nurse practitioner that I first spoke with yeah. was a white woman and like, yeah. okay, that's cool. But like, I also don't have the same mm-hmm. like background and the the privileges and the mm-hmm. um, ability. Um, but also like, I think about the times where I really stepped out of my comfort zone and like, begged for mentorship and begged Mm -hmm. for help and like Mm -hmm. went to office hours and like really annoyed the hell out of my professors for like letters of recommendations. And like the things that I did to really set myself apart and like, I don't know, like kind of like bet on myself. When I think about all those moments, I'm like, okay, like I really did put in the work to do that. So I would say two pieces of advice. Don't rush because there's no rush. You're going to get there mm-hmm. and you're going to get there in your own time. And like, there is a perfect timing for you. Yeah. And when you rush it, you're just going to regret rushing, right? Like mm-hmm. you're going to miss out on so many other things of life. Like it's not just about work and yeah. it's not just about mm-hmm. becoming this, this version of you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's great. And yes, yeah. I know the saying, of, Oh, the time will pass anyway. Would yeah. you rather whatever? Yeah. But I think there is a timing for everyone. Yeah. Um, and I think the second piece of advice is to like bet on yourself, you know, like if you kind of like from Asian American background and like people of color, like we're kind of often told like, Oh, like you can't do it. Or like, Oh, why do this? Like do something else. Like it's constantly like, you know, it's, it's Mm -hmm. damaging and it's weathering. Mm -hmm. And I think just like ignore those and take a bet on yourself and say, Oh, well, what if I did this? What if I did graduate as valedictorian? Or what if I did become president of the club? Mm -hmm. I think I could do it. So, like, really trust yourself and trust that the timing will be right and that you deserve it. Yeah. Which is, I'm still learning both those things. All throughout high school and bouts of college, I suffered from severe acne. I cried almost every day looking at the mirror. I wore hoodies during the summer to hide my cheeks. When my mom asked me what I wanted for my birthday, all I wished for was a visit to the dermatologist. I tried so many products and saw so many estheticians, physicians, and other advanced providers. But I know that my mere access to these products and providers is a privilege. Many who suffer from acne and other skin conditions live in many underserved populations where access to dermatology specialists can be difficult due to limited resources. To help bridge this divide, Benapadia, a dermatology nurse practitioner, recently launched Your Skincare Experts Derm Course, which can allow other specialties to provide comprehensive care to patients through dermatology in places where access may be limited. 
The course can also be used to help better train extended providers within the field of dermatology to feel confident and empowered in their knowledge. From fortifying skin anatomy to identifying skin types and concerns, breaking down acne, building skincare routines, and going over active ingredients, the course seeks to further knowledge in skincare, anti-aging, acne, and overall holistic skin health. Friends of France is partnering with your skincare expert so that you can get 10% of the course with the code FRANZ, that's F-R-A-N-Z, or visit yourskincareexpert.com slash FRANZ. My skin and my life were changed by the right products and the right people. Through this course, I hope that this would also be made possible for others. Anyone who knows me knows that I love boba. After a heavy dinner? No problem. I have a second stomach for boba, and sometimes even a third. But each cup of bubble tea is definitely a guilty pleasure, given that the average cafe-made milk tea has over 100 calories per serving, over 20 grams of high glycemic sugar, and is packed with artificial flavors. I am so glad that the guilty days are over with Twirl, the world's first canned, plant-based milk tea, with only 45 to 50 calories per serving, and containing 6 to 7 grams of sugar, and low glycemic sweeteners at that, goodbye to sugar crash, Twirl is made with pea milk, the most sustainable plant-based milk on the market, regenerating the soil where it comes from. This is thanks to the fact that fair trade and organic are the names of the game as the teas are sourced from biodiverse family farms in China, Japan, and Taiwan that practice sustainable farming techniques. No artificial flavors are ever used. Choose from three antioxidant flavors of the chocolatey Taiwan-style black milk tea, floral jasmine, and nutty hojicha. Enjoy all of these flavors, each being nitro-infused that you can feel and hear their fresh, silky, and creamy texture with each pop of the can. Let's enjoy tasty, creamy, shelf-stable, and healthy milk tea together for 10% off using the code FRANZ10. That's F-R-A-N-Z-1-0. Now available on twirlmilktea.com or Amazon. Twirl around in its goodness. I think a running theme in our talk today and that you mentioned is how important and how helpful it is to find someone who looks like you right mm-hmm. not just as a mentor or just as a friend just someone who you can look up to even from a distance and be like oh they're able to make it i, I can too and this is a running theme for all people of minorities right and it's just so rightful that may is Asian American Pacific Islander Heritage Month. And I mean, apparently this whole community is so important to you because you started the Asian Care Unit, which is how we met. (laughs) Thank you so much for taking me in. (laughs) Thank you for all the hard work that you've put in. Oh my God. Of course. And I, I just wanted to touch upon the Asian Care Unit or ACU as well. Where did this stem from? And what was your hope for this community? Oh, I feel like I've talked so much about ACU and it never gets old. But also at the same time, I'm like, oh my gosh, it feels like such like a baby to me Um, because I've never done anything like this and I've never known how to do something like this. So I still, you know, totally honestly, like I doubt myself of like, oh, like, am I doing this right? Or like, if someone else were to do this, would they take the same trajectory, you know? But again, stepping back, it doesn't matter what someone else would do. Yeah. I'm doing it. Yeah. But basically, I started ACU, the Asian Care Unit, because after like the meat of the pandemic, so like the first year and a half, I was like really struggling with trusting myself and trusting the world around me mm-hmm. as there was such severe xenophobia mm-hmm. and so much distrust in Asian providers. Mm-hmm. And the whole topic and the idea of the model minority just came flooding back into my life of like, I mean, like, people hate me or people love me or people think I should know everything that's going on because Mm -hmm. this came from a country of people who look like me, even though I'm, like, I'm not of that heritage. Yeah. Um, But also at work, patients don't trust me because I look like the people of the country that this disease came from. And it was just a lot of, like, oh, my God, like, what is happening? And I almost felt like there was no community to fall Mm. back on um Mm -hmm. some of you might be aware of like my story of leaving the christian church and like how kind of like hurtful that was for me and like how not having that community is something that a lot of people don't understand because when you have a community in some kind of like faith-based religion or like Mm -hmm. like like-minded thought there's a safe place right where you all believe in similar things and you have similar values 
And I feel like I really didn't have that. And like the people I did trust, like you or like other yeah. health professionals, I didn't really know in real life. So it, it was a lot of like, you know, like yeah. virtual connection, mm-hmm. which is mm-hmm. beautiful and something that I don't yeah. take for granted, but yeah. it was still so like, I felt alone, you know? And yeah. so I was like, okay, I really was looking for a space where Asian American Pacific Islander healthcare workers could come together and share our stories even before COVID, right? Like yeah. what was our experience yeah. before yeah. All of that? Because I remember a couple of years ago when I was first working as a nurse, I experienced like not racism per se, but a sort of discrimination on my own unit among my own colleagues. And I mm-hmm. spoke out about it on my stories and then mm-hmm. I faced backlash regarding mm-hmm. it at work. And so mm-hmm. that's why I honestly, it, it kind of like made me jaded. I was like, mm-hmm. right. I never want to talk about this again. I was so hurt. Yeah. And I was like, there's never going to be a community that gets me. And I looked and looked and sure, there are plenty of like AAPI communities, not for healthcare workers, where we can like understand each other's jokes, like subtle Asian traits, where we understand like Asian (laughs) jokes, because we all grew from the same kind of trauma and like understand the same things. But what is it like for healthcare workers? Like, where can we go where we can like understand that a patient after delivery doesn't an Asian person after delivery doesn't want ice cold water like we yeah. typically provide. Like yeah. there's Western medicine involved and yeah. Western thought. Mm-hmm. And that's why I founded ACU because I just needed for us to know that we were here for each other, virtual mm-hmm. or not. And I'm really excited of what it could become because I want us to all, you know, meet in person and like yeah. do things that'll help us grow and yeah our identities both as healthcare providers but also individuals because our perspective is so unique yeah oh gosh i feel like i just like word vomited no i love it (laughs) i mean it's so so true and i think that's where we're so similar as well is that longing for you know that Asian community within our field too i mean i agree with the whole settled asian traits thing and the same thing with I think us both leaving the church as well and trying to find that community where you grew up in or close to. And I feel like at ECU, it's like we're creating like a family between everybody, right? And it's just, it's such a beautiful community and it's so fun. And thank you so much for allowing me to be part of it too. I mean, it's been great seeing, I mean, reading the comments or the shares in the stores where they're like, oh, I felt the same way right oh you took the words out of my mouth oh i've been looking for something like this for a while so it's such a beautiful community and i too am so excited to see where it goes right and i I mean yes you're right this is your baby and i can't wait for the baby to grow as well i know and i um, feel like i feel like you and i are mom and dad (laughs) (laughs) you know but yeah it really is beautiful and you know, like, totally honest, like, I wonder, like, are we doing this correctly? You know, like, mm-hmm. is it actually making a difference? But like you said, like, if anyone says, if any one person says, like, yeah. I really yeah. needed one, to know yeah. that yeah. I wasn't the only one feeling this, then, yeah. then our work is done, you know, like, yeah. that's the value of having providers who look like us. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely agree. I mean, I feel like within the world of social media, it's so easy to get caught up with the numbers, right? And the algorithms, like the number of likes or the number of shares or the number of reshares or comments. But I feel like the root of it all, if it hits one person, like that one person has been like, I've been looking for something like this my whole life. Like, I feel like it's like the whole world already, right? And this is what your baby has done to so many across, not just in the United States, but across the world. Because I see people also from different countries, right? Who's commenting and sharing ACU stuff. So it's such a beautiful thing. But, you know, mixed all of this together, ACU, all of your experiences as an Asian American woman, as a registered nurse, going through school, being an NP now, all of those things have like their own physical and emotional tolls on you, right? Especially right now as a nurse practitioner and working with patients directly in their in their like actual course of care, like from diagnosis to all the way to treatment, right? And the hope for, you know, that they get better, that we 
that you prevent this or that. There's a huge emotional toll on that. How do you decompress out of work at the end of the day, aside from being in live with me today? (laughs) (laughs) And celebrating you, big Taurus energy. Um, That's a loaded question because I'm still trying to figure it out. I mean, that's life, right? Figuring out how to find harmony between all different aspects of your life and making it so that you're not too pulled in one direction more than the other. That being said, I totally am of the thought of that some seasons of your life, like you're going to be more stressed out from work and other seasons of your life, you're going to be way more relaxed at work and way more stressed out about home life and whatever. So there's, I feel like we constantly look for like a perfect equation of like, how can we make everything perfect yeah. and perfect yeah. harmony? Yeah. I wish there was a solution. Mm-hmm. But I actually recently talked about this therapy is I need a ritual to prepare me to go to work and put on my thinking cap and like kind of disconnect that side. And then when I get home to disconnect work from home. Mm-hmm. So I don't carry on these thoughts of like, oh, what other meds could I have added? Like, did I titrate that med right? Yeah. Like, you know? <laughs> Um, and so I recently decided that I was going to stretch before work and after mm. stretch to kind of like ease myself into like, okay, like I'm going to be moving my body and moving my brain today and thinking and talking a lot because we yeah. talk a lot during our yeah. days as nurses and nurse practitioners. Mm-hmm. Um, and after I'm going to be compressed and stretch my body and let my body know that, okay, we're done with high level of thinking and thought and deciding and being the boss and we're gonna relax into like my own body of like hey i was this person at work Mm -hmm. but i'm also myself outside of work yeah and i've kind of been doing it like to be totally honest i haven't been Mm -hmm. the best but i think just even the thought of like okay i need to do that has been helping yeah yeah and of course like you know like on the weekend like we try to always have something to look forward to and also i told caleb too i don't want to be the kind of person who lives for the weekend so yeah. we've been trying to like plan something fun during the week too. yeah there you go yeah, yeah that's amazing and like you said earlier when we started right like a big part of it is also like eating good food and yeah. you know i can just remember when we had korean barbecue when i, when I visited georgia yes. I, mean, I literally had korean barbecue before this <laughs> oh, wait, i saw in your in your porch right yeah, yeah. You have your own grill? Yeah, we have like a portable like butane grill and the grill top. Listen, H Mart has everything. There we I go. highly recommend. It's just like, just bring the Korean barbecue experience to home and it's much yeah. cheaper. It's that huge H Mart that I remember. Oh my goodness. Yeah. No, so I. Fun. Yeah, and I can't wait to visit again soon or you visit me here in New York City, yeah. you know, this summer. Um, Clara. Thank you so much for spending the night with me as we talked yeah. about your journey. It's so, it's, I'm always so inspired by you. So thank you so much for always being there too and sending me the funniest gifs, gifs, <laughs> and memes <laughs> as well. Oh my God. And of course, of Christian, course, thank, thank you. You're a great host and you inspire me. No. so much so please like don't even with that you i you're such a hard worker and i hope this next year of your life is everything you ever imagined of course it'll be another year of working hard right yeah. for medicine yeah. Yeah. but also a lot of growth and personal growth and yeah. just so proud to call you my friend oh thank you so much i love yeah. you so much love you happy nurses week oh thank you happy nurses week everybody yeah. happy aim aapi month and yes. Happy good night to everybody. <laughs> Clara, get some rest. And I will. thank you so much again. Bye. Thank you. We have now reached the end of the story. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Friends of France. I hope you had an enjoyable adventure learning about our expert guest, their work, and why they do the things that they do. Please check out the rest of the series available on all podcast platforms. Please also consider following the podcast on the platform that you prefer. Turn on the alerts for new episodes so you don't miss new stories. And give us a rating to support the show. You can find more updates on the podcast's official Instagram at Friends of France Pod or my personal Instagram at Chris Franz. That's without the I because there is no I in team. <laughs> I'm kidding. Someone already took the username. Have a great day or night, everybody.